Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 13 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah are back and talking about West Ham's recent impressive form after the come-from-behind win versus Crystal Palace. Then we hit up Twitter for some listener questions and end off with our Fulham preview and predictions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. Welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, we are back after a week off here. It was unexpected, but uh, nonetheless, it's over, and we're here and ready to go. Uh, just a two-man show this week, just myself, Adam, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah, how are we doing for this 13th episode here? Doing good. Glad to be back. It was uh, felt weird not doing a podcast last week. It felt like such a, yeah, such a, uh, such a miss, and I, am, I was almost tempted to just not do another one because... Since we've recorded West Ham are three and oh. So I, I want I don't want to jinx the team here, but I mean it looks pretty good. But before we can look forward to the next games that are coming up, let's look backwards here and let's see exactly uh how we got to this point. Um we're gonna just focus first on the Crystal Palace game, but uh six minutes in, Declan Rice plays MacArthur on side, Lucas Fabianski doesn't come off his line, and just like that, West Ham are down. It seemed a little bit uh a little bit deflating considering recent form, didn't it? Yeah, you know, I was deflated. Where uh, where I live, it was 8 in the morning, so I had just got my breakfast, just got the coffee, and uh, sat down, and it felt like just as soon as I sat down, boom, Crystal Palace was up. Um, I tried to remain optimistic, though, obviously, because, you know, we have been in good form lately. But, yeah, kind of like you said right away, it was just kind of like, here we go, so... It was, yeah, I think deflating is the best way to put it because you're coming in on, you know, two games unbeaten, three goals in each game, and not conceding a ton. I mean, we didn't concede against uh, Newcastle and, again, against Cardiff. It was just that one late goal uh, to to take away Fabianski's clean sheet. So things were sort of rolling defensively for the team. You felt confident in in the defensive side. But, uh, yeah, this was just another another sort of setback here. And... Hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course, West Ham end up completing the comeback in this game and, and going up and winning three two. So hindsight's twenty twenty. This game really did prove West Ham can do it both ways. They've been ahead early in both other games. They've sort of dominated their opposition in those games. This one, this match was not so easy. Palace are a little bit more of a tougher outfit than Cardiff and Newcastle put up uh, against us, weren't they? Yeah, they definitely were. And like you said, it showed. It definitely showed that uh, we've kind of well rounded ourselves or. Or maybe slowly bought into the Pellegrini effect, if that's what we want to call it. Well, people um, are calling it that. They love yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. I like it. I'm on board. And and yeah, you know, even like we talked about that deflating goal just six minutes in, and even the goal they scored towards the end. Me personally, I really didn't think either of those two goals were really. Um, I don't think they were that good of goals from them. If I'm going to be honest, I think we kind of controlled the game really from maybe 20 minutes on and. I don't think we really looked back, at least in the Crystal Palace game. But, yeah, it is good to see. And not just three wins in a row, but also three wins with scoring three goals each. I mean, that's that's crazy. Are we talking about West Ham or somebody else? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like what we're, what we're all used to here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy you brought up the goals not really being all that concerning. The first one was an error by Declan Rice followed by an error by Lucas Fabianski. Um, mm-hmm. Those two have rarely put a foot wrong this entire season, let alone in the same play. So, we can sort of mark that one out as a uh, a bit of a one off in my mind anyways i don't think either of them are going to are going to let that uh play on them a little bit there the second goal no. was a set piece as well so both of them coming off of dead balls the second one was just west ham falling asleep at the front post and it gets tucked in fabianski couldn't do much on that one but there's like a little bit of that acuity you'd like to see them get sharper on uh later in the game and it kind of makes sense that they you know, it doesn't make sense, I shouldn't say, but it's okay that they did this in a game that they won. 
because you know Pellegrini is going to be nitpicking the game tape afterwards, saying we conceded twice. That's unacceptable. You're going to lose more games than you win if you if you concede twice in this league. So uh, things to tighten up on, things to work on. But you're doing so in a time where you're not dropping points. Yeah, and that's that's better to see than um, previously, where we're like trying to tighten up on things and you know we're losing matches or drawing matches we should win. So it's it's to me right now, you know, nitpicking is is. It's a better place to be, especially after putting up the points that we have um, and jumping this high up into the table. It's good to see that we're up where we are. And, uh, and yeah, I think, you know, going ahead, kind of looking at that and, and, and also talking about Pellegrini and, and fixing and nitpicking things. It is good to see having a manager that uh, going into the half, you know, whatever his pep talks are, whatever different changes he makes at halftime coming back when they're coming back out, um, they've been fantastic so far. Yeah, West Ham have really started the second half of games off really well, especially when there's been things like the the penalty for Cardiff nearing the end of the first half. Definite things that uh, you want to improve upon. So I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that there's some coaching going on, some actual coaching and strategic talk going on. Um, let's talk then uh, about West Ham's goals in this match. And there was three of them. Two were, two were superstar goals, and the other one was really uh, sort of... Just a, a typical goal, but nonetheless, it was beautifully played. So we'll start with the Snodgrass goal. Andy Carroll comes on in the second half. Uh, West Ham, he replaced Perez, actually, who we should mention, uh, I think should have stayed on out of the two between him and Chicharito. Uh, he was moving around more, and, and Chicharito looked super lazy in the first half, wasn't coming back from offside positions. Mm-hmm. It was kind of bothersome, but uh, Perez had a, a foot injury. I think he got cleated on top of his foot, which looked pretty nasty on Twitter. So he was out. Our boy Carroll came on, and West Ham immediately sent two crosses about two and a half feet high into the box. The second one <laughs> luckily bounced back to Snodgrass, and he banged a beautiful goal short side uh, near post, I suppose, for us not uh, hockey fans in the UK. Uh, mm. Near post, and to me, I know the Felipe Anderson goal was like an unbelievable shot, this one was bouncing. Defenders were way closer, and he went near post, which I did not see happening on that shot. And it was just unbelievable technique from Snodgrass. I, I love seeing him get that goal and getting his first Premier League goal for West Ham. No, it was fantastic, and uh, the Mick. We'll keep the uh, Mick Messi trends going here. Uh, I love but, the Mick Messi. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, you're right. It was a fantastic goal. I really wasn't even paying attention. I was kind of. I kind of got burnt out because, like you said, as soon as Carroll came in, the announcers even called it, whoever was announcing the match. And it's like as soon as he came in, they just started bombing him in, bombing <laughs> him in. And they weren't good crosses. No. But you knew you knew what they were trying to do. So it was a lucky bounce. But, yeah, it was a beautiful shot, um, especially for him. And I really don't think um, – excuse me, I can't remember their goalkeeper's name. But I don't Wayne think Hennessey. he was even – Yeah, I don't even think Hennessy was thinking he's going to shoot from there. No. And, uh and he did, and it was it was a gorgeous shot. Um, yeah, you know, the Chicharito one, like he talked about, I mean, that's just his game. That's what he plays, and um, I don't know who I would have preferred getting taken off. I think he definitely looked lazier, like you said, and, and, and Perez had more run to him, and especially coming after the game just before that where he put in two goals. Um, I kind of probably would have liked to have seen Carroll come off for Chicharito, but obviously foot injury, and like you said, that looked nasty in that picture on Instagram and Twitter. It was pretty gross but uh yeah so that goal was kind of kind of what it was but yeah Felipe Anderson I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to make it what it was and it was a beautiful goal and I want to give a shout out to a guy if I can I'm gonna butcher up his uh (laughs) twitter handle name his name's Jack and his twitter handle was JVCK Zini um but he put a picture of where the angle was when he took the shot when Anderson took the shot and he put on the quote was basically, how am I supposed to tell my kids someday that Felipe Anderson scored from here? And uh, it was, I mean, it was perfect. So for me, it was tough. I've seen a lot of polls going around to whose shot was better, whose goal was better, him or Snodgrass. And to me, it was, I'm just glad that, you know, we had that opportunity. It just seemed like back to back to back within, within minutes. And, and it was fantastic. Um, it's a lot easier doing a podcast when we're playing like this. I'm it's, not going to lie. It's so much more enjoyable. Do you remember August when, when uh, West Ham was doing their goal of the month selection and it was like two from the women's team one from the under 23s or two from the under 23s Arnautovic's goal against uh Arsenal and then like some Sunday league guy in a in a West Ham kit like recorded on a cell phone pretty much now 
we have three goals in one game that are all awesome. And I'm going to give Chicharito his due for that second goal. Mm-hmm. 63rd minute, Felipe Anderson put a free kick uh, that Carroll won on net. And mm-hmm. uh, Chicharito immediately ran, sprinted off of the, the line to stay in an onside position and mm-hmm. put the ball top shelf. So Wayne Hennessy six foot five, and he was sitting on his ass and basically re- trying to reach up to stop the ball, which is still a pretty solid uh, span. So right. to put it in the top corner – or not the top corner, but the top shelf of the net. Pretty impressive from Chicharito. Again, it's what he does. Everyone knows it. And then I was immediately proven wrong with like, oh, I would have liked to have seen Perez come off instead of Chicharito. <laughs> no, this guy will do it any time you play him, apparently. So all three of those goals, pretty exceptional, pretty special. Uh, who was your man of the match there? I'm looking at the, the West Ham poll here. I'll give you the four options that they have. Felipe Anderson, mm-hmm. Chicharito, Robert Snodgrass, or Declan Rice. Mm, I think uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I voted twice, and I think I put Anderson <laughs> and Snodgrass in uh, different polls. But for me, I think that match was probably Felipe Anderson. Um, not just the goal, but once again, um, just his diff- just the skills that he has. You know, I feel like he's never kind of middle of the road. I feel like he's either really good and really on point, or kind of like what's he doing out there. But mm-hmm. I feel like this this match, he's been. He was kind of on point, you know, that little like back heel flick, oh. flip, whatever, whatever he did for Mazuaku, that was sickening. And then obviously the goal itself, I think, you know, um, just totaling up the amounts of possession that he had alone and the passes that he made. Um, it's hard for me not to pick Anderson. I think I voted for Anderson as well. And like you said, I'm glad you brought up that little back heel flick. That was against uh, Juan Basaka, who... Mm-hmm. It's supposedly the best right back in the league now. Um, and he's been super impressive this season. Really strong with attacking, but he, but his, his defending, he makes really well-timed, just places a foot exactly where it needs to be, at the perfect timing, doesn't mm-hmm. ma- make a lot of fouls. So um, it was a good challenge for Felipe Anderson, who's had a lot of tough challenges this season. But uh, that back, so a back heel nutmeg to send our fullback on a full sprint, like that was unbelievable. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, and, and sure, I wanted to ahead. note real quick, um, I know we've been giving uh, Mazawaku a lot of flack, and I've been kind of up there too, but it has been nice to see how him and Anderson have kind of played off each other the last three games. Um, Anderson even going back and playing more defense. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's picked up on that, but definitely seeing that and kind of how they've played off of each other has been nice to see. I'm still not in on the whole Mazawaku staying and starting, but that was a nice thing for me to look at too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, him having strong performances does nothing but help the team. So if he does that, I'm happy with it. I would still prefer Cresswell over him at this point in time. I think especially with uh, with Andy Carroll being basically the number two striker with that Perez foot injury. Who knows if that'll keep him out or not? Um, I think you're going to see Mazuaku until he does something incorrect. Um, but if Aaron Cresswell is healthy again after that uh, was a hamstring injury, a calf injury. Um, mm-hmm. he should come back in. You never want to see someone lose their job or their position because of an injury. Uh, not all that fair, but you know, West Ham's in the business of winning games. And in order to do that, they need someone who's going to play solid defense and pr- provide a, an attacking option on the, the fullback left side there. Um, it's worth noting as well, I think, that on the right-hand side, where Wilfred Zaha, the best player outside of the top six, quote-unquote, plays, <laughs> um, 33-year-old, Pablo Zabaleta completely made him disappear the entire match. So good on him. I, I don't. You can't. We, we can't keep talking about him because every week we talk about how amazing he's been. So I don't know. I, I I just I don't get tired of it. I just don't want to bore the listeners with everyone saying like, yeah, right. Pablo Zabaleta was world class again. <laughs> he did, but he looks fantastic though. I mean, he just. I mean, for for a football sense, he pocketed him and he didn't let him do anything you know so and i always laugh when palace fans say he's the best player outside of the top six and all this and and then you know he gets shut out by a 33 year old who i mean no disrespect looks a lot older than 33 but yeah <laughs> he, he he played well and once again fantastic so yeah that's all all right so um i mean let's there's no point in jumping back to looking at newcastle and, and to look at cardiff both games are long gone now and uh what yeah. we can do i suppose is just touch on the recent news that came out today. We're recording this on the Wednesday, December 12th. Um, Mark Nobles had his contract extended to 2021. Um, I, for one, am happy with that. And the speculation is that he'll retire a one-club man at the age of 34. 
any gripes or grimes uh, or grimes with the uh, with the contract extension there? No, absolutely not. Um, you know, uh, two three years from now, he might not be starting anymore. Um, you can see every once in a while a bit of a decline, only because of age. And it's crazy to say someone that's what is he thirty one currently um, thirty one thirty two that you know they'd be declining because of age, but. Um, no, no gripes or complaints from me. You know, I love Mark Noble. Um, I hope he is a one club man. And I hope that if he does retire after this stint, that the club does right by him and puts him somewhere. So yeah, absolutely. No gripes. It's exciting to see. Hopefully that news will intertwine and start making some other contract extension news and renewal news for the club. <laughs> I know you're beating around the bush there, but Sign Declan Rice to a contract. Apparently, yes, yes. I was listening to something. I don't know if it was the West Ham Way podcast or not. Some something different, maybe. Um, the club may have. I think it was may, may have been Sam and Crystal. Either way, uh, the club have an option on Declan Rice's contract to extend it a year. Oh no, it was the announcers during the game on Saturday. Sorry, uh, mm-hmm. long day at work here. So uh, the announcers were talking about West Ham not really being in a crucial point in. Uh, negotiations and being happy to push it off because they do have the ability to extend them. If they enact that clause, I think Declan Rice would probably just send a transfer request in. So I don't think it's likely that they do that, seeing as clubs are probably willing to pay him north of 50k a week to come to their team. Um, look at Phil Foden on uh, Manchester City. Someone someone uh, retweeted <laughs> his signing and said Foden agrees to sign uh, to sit on the bench for the next six years at Manchester City. Um, but he's doing that, making a lot more money than Declan Rice is, who's an everyday starter on this team and probably 17 other teams in the league. So, um, yeah, hopefully the dominoes start to fall there. Anyways, that's it for the match review. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will jump into some Twitter questions. All right, so we're back here and we're answering your Twitter questions here. Um, we're going to jump back in time to when we said we were going to record last week and couldn't get it under wraps. So um, this is from December 6th. And you'll see some repeat on names. We appreciate everyone sending in the questions. Uh, the first one here comes from Smokey Jones at Gingerbread, a BR3D. Uh, Smokey, thanks for the questions all the time. He asks us, how worried are you with the Arnautovic injury? Will this stunt us going forward and picking up points? Our last six goals have been scored by four different players, none by Arnie. I feel like we're t- we take a massive amount of points. I feel we'll still take a massive amount of points going into the new year. So uh, Arnautovic injury, it appears he'll be out till at least January, maybe the end of the of the transfer window. Do you think we'll be all right? You know, when this question came out and we didn't record, I, th- I think at the time I was maybe a little nervous. Uh, currently not. I'm going to say no, I think we're all right. And I think it's a good thing because one, not to sound negative, but one, him being injured that long, we don't have to probably worry about losing him to a much higher paid team and um two it's going to give chicharito a chance to come out and uh hopefully play enough that wants to stay um i'm not really worried maybe now with the perez injury as well i don't know how long he's going to be out if he's going to be out i don't know if there's any news on that but yeah i'm not i'm not overall worried i think you never want to see your one of your star men go out and i think obviously like you said before once he comes back he shouldn't lose his spot due to injury but it could be a tighter competition when he does come back yeah, I totally agree. I think West Ham have uh, a, a, a good amount of options at striker. However, when you play with a system with two strikers, you need more options than not. So right now, mm-hmm. you have the three solid outright strikers of Chicharito, Perez, and Carroll. And you have Mikel Antonio, who can also play center forward. If I'm being completely honest, I think this team's um, ideal lineup is your, your, you know, your back four is your back four. Your midfield two or your midfield two. Your wingers are, you know, uh, Felipe Anderson and Snodgrass or Yarmolenko, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think your strikers or your two center forwards are going to be Marco Arnautovic and Manuel Lanzini. And I think you can see Lanzini slip back into that uh, number 10 role, sort of in between those wide uh, wingers and fill out the midfield, but also running up to the middle. And when, when he played with, uh, with Arnautovic up top, Last season under Moyes, he did really well. So um, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's for a different time. But as for Arnautovic, I'm not too concerned. Uh, again, hindsight's 2020. We we won without him again. So uh, the streak continues. And New Orleans Hammer has a couple here. Uh, the first one says, and it's quick and easy, at, at the Hollander. 
keep Antonio as a right back and sub and striker or transfer him out? Mm. I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him. Uh, and like you said, right now with injuries and everything like that, I don't think that we can potentially afford to lose him. Um, he looked he looked okay against Cardiff um, playing back there. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, we can't really afford to lose him. So unless unless somebody comes in with a decent amount of money for him, I'd say keep him. I'm going to give a, a very Canadian answer to this with an example, a very Canadian example. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan uh, mm-hmm. for NHL hockey here. And um, when Mike Babcock, who is a world-renowned coach, came to the team, he inherited a bunch of people who were overpaid, uh, overvalued, and basically couldn't get rid of them. So what did he do? He took their captain, the player everyone wanted gone, put him on the cushiest matchups, put him on the number one power play, and basically did everything he could to pump this guy's tires and get his numbers up. The second there was a good offer on the table for him, he flipped him out. So he was, oh, this guy's the heartbeat of the team. This guy can't put a a skate wrong. He's tearing up the league on the power play, blah, 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 blah. Getting everyone to buy into this and strategically playing him to basically up his value. So... I think Pellegrini's doing the same thing. Mikel Antonio is not playing in these games. Like he, he played at right back out of necessity, but mm-hmm. he's not factoring in as a forward anymore. And he's only being used sparingly to give Zabaleta a rest at this point in time. I think the, the plan here is for Antonio to go for 10, 12, 13, 14 million, whatever it's going to be, to somewhere like Crystal Palace. I think that's probably his only suitor at this point in time. Maybe a championship club, but I doubt they'd fork over that much for him. And bring in someone on loan like Victor Moses. Victor Moses is the perfect, I think, sub for it for this because you have Pablo Zabaleta, you're starting right back. Ryan Fredericks, your future right back, coming back from injury in the new year, some point in time. So until until Fredericks is back, you have uh, you have Moses as your right back, your backup right back, your relief right back, and then when he's back you have another right midfielder or right winger that you can play forward in Moses. So you also then don't have a long-term contract on your books or crazy wages for more than six months. So I think that's the plan. I would get rid of him. I just think his value is just going to nosedive, and he's a player that doesn't have any sort of consistency when he plays for us anymore. Yeah, I can see that too. And, and you know, we do need money. Um, it would be nice to get some money back um, after dropping so much in the, in the summer. Totally. All right, uh, and the follow-up from the New Orleans Hammer at the Hollander. What formation has overall been most effective for us this season? And get ready for some numbers here. 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, or 4-4-2. Do you think the Cardiff match was a classic 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2? What's the difference in your opinion? I'll let you have first crack at this one. I'm very opinionated on my formations here. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of numbers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, when I saw that come out, when I saw the tweet come out, I had to stare at it for like five minutes trying to figure out exactly what was going on but um it depends how you look at it and i think it depends on where the players are playing um i've always liked the 442 but i do like the 4222 just because you have the two kind of center guys back to help out with defense a little bit you your top two center guys are more of a winger ish style but also maybe a center attack and then you have your two center forwards up front. Um, I'm a big fan of the 4-2-2-2, and I believe that you are as well. But uh, any, anywhere between the 2-2-2 and then the 4-4-2, I'm all right with. And I think that it has shown over the last three matches that it's it's working. So hopefully we can keep it up. Yeah, I think credit has to go out to that 4-2-3-1 formation that sort of started this string of games with, uh, with West Ham picking up points at the end of September. Mm-hmm. But that's shifted to what Pellegrini plays, and that is a 4-2-2-2 formation. <laughs> uh, I, the game evolves, and with it do the formation. So, I mean, call it an augmented 4-2, whatever you want to say for the older crowd. But I think the difference, which he asks there, between the 4-4-2 and the 4-2-2-2 is sort of a hollow midfield. Um, so if you look when West Ham's attacking and they turn over the ball or the other team gets possession off of a shot, whatever it may be, there's really not a ton of presence in the midfield until you get into West Ham's half, and then you have Declan Rice stepping up and Noble stepping up. Ideally, I think what you're gonna what Pellegrini wants is Wilshire to play alongside Rice and be, go box to box or buy a box to box midfielder in the uh, in the January window, where they can run up, join the attack, 
they're the first one back to play defense as well. So I think that's what the difference is. You, you, we're missing the box-to-box midfielder that's helping fill out that midfield role. And Noble stepped on, stepped in and done great. He likes going forward too. So um, mm-hmm. you have that rock and rice, but uh, he's really the, the linchpin of the 4-2-2-2 working out here. Um, Garrett at Garrett R. Kerber asks, how long will the winning streak continue? Come on, you irons. <laughs> I will say we are making it through January. So okay. that means that West Ham beat Fulham, Watford, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton. Um, we'll count Birmingham in the FA Cup. Arsenal, which would be the biggest, I think, stumbling block along the way Bournemouth who's nothing to shake a stick at either Wolves who are all right and then we get to Liverpool which I don't like our odds in that match but I think I'd, I'd think Arsenal is a game to circle on your calendar build up momentum now get healthy over the the holidays bank your points but that's the one don't look past anybody but that's the one you can look forward to a nice London Derby yeah I don't think I think our biggest issue has been looking past teams um and I think if we can keep that up, if we can keep that going, and I had, I think we all had a little scare against Cardiff. I'm not going to lie when that penalty, that oh. horrible, horrible call happened, and then Fabianski came through like he has every single game. Um, I think, yeah, we just can't look back. I know there was a lot of questions that once this run started, starting with Newcastle and then looking ahead, I think it was like eight games. How many points do you think we'll get in the next eight games? Um, very realistically now, um, we could potentially win every match until Arsenal, like you said. But, I mean, this is Premier League, and it's not like even the chump teams are still pretty decent. So I don't know if we're going to win, if it's going to keep rolling out like that. But, I mean, if we could maybe get five, six in a row, I would be very, very impressed with that. Yeah, I can't, can't disagree with you there. Um, okay, we'll jump into the last question of the first uh, the first area here. And the question is, would you sell Arnautovic and bring in Callum Wilson and instead take their age as well as goal scoring ability uh, as well as goal scoring ability into consideration? So Arnautovic is 29. Let me look up Callum Wilson here. I don't know his age, but I assume maybe a year or two younger. I know we struggled for a couple of years with injury. He's 26, so he's three years younger. Okay. Um, would you sell them or make that swap deal with Bournemouth? If I am playing FIFA, yes. Uh, yes, but uh, in, in real life, no, I don't personally. I wouldn't make that switch. I know he's 29 as a as a striker. I know that you you only have so, I mean, so much longer really that he's going to play in the momentum that he has. Um, but no, I think that uh, he's kind of embodied the West Ham persona. If, I think, if you will, and um, yeah, I know, like you said with Wilson, he's kind of had injuries off and on, but. No, I don't think unless I'm playing a you know a video game or football football manager or something like that. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not making that deal. Yeah, I'm with you. As long as Arnautovic is willing to commit to West Ham, I'm going to commit to him. So as far mm-hmm. as he's said everything on, on Instagram, he wants to come back for his team. You know the irons and everything. So I, I, I'm with mm-hmm. him on that. I like to I'd like to keep him there. Um, okay, so we'll jump ahead to the next questions here. We have Garrett coming up again at Garrett R. Kerber. He asks us, what is the biggest reason for optimism about West Ham for the rest of the season and beyond? What do you think there? What, what's got you feeling happy about the future? What's got me feeling happy is that uh, right now we've had that normal West Ham of injuries, plagued by injuries, plagued by injuries, and and the list goes on and on and on. Um, so much that I forgot about Yarmolenko. I'm not going to lie until you <laughs> mentioned his name. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, we do have another right winger. Um, but so the optimism is hopefully that the injuries will kind of subside and the players will start coming back in the likes of Zini and Arnautovic and Perez hopefully won't be too bad. And then you get Wilshire back. And then really the problem that we have is who do we start? Um Especially if you look at that four two two two, there's a lot of good players that you can throw in there. Um, and Lanzini's going to be a fun one to kind of see where he's going to fit. Um, but that's my optimism: is that hopefully, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to jinx something, but hopefully that the injuries will kind of stop or subside, and these players will come back healthy. And then, you know, the problem that we're going to have is who do we start? That's what I'm looking optimistically at. Yeah, I. I... The optimism, yeah, the spoil for choices is definitely something to be happy about. I, I think just seeing um, 
just seeing this team climb the table and as quickly as they have over the last couple of weeks has been really exciting. And then looking at opposition and going, okay, well, uh, we should have we should have at least got a point from Wolves. We should have beat Bournemouth at home. Uh, you know, we we we've deserved better against Chelsea with that Yarmolenko header. Um, if we were playing the same level of football, we were playing. The be, uh, now that we were at the beginning of the season, we would have a lot more points than we currently do. And I think we're better than the Evertons, the Bournemouths, the Watfords of the world. So um, I think just the trajectory of the team, the buying into Pellegrini, the fact that this is year one, and it's not even all the way through, of the three-year plan from Pellegrini, and we're already not out of contention to make it to Europe. That's what I'm optimistic about. The team's being built right um, with a mix of youth and, and veteran players. European proven players, so I, I like that, and I like the risks that you're taking on players like Balbuena and giving Grady Diangana a rollout mm-hmm. and moving Declan Rice out of position and having him be stellar there. I, I just love uh, the adventurous uh, Pellegrini <laughs> ideas and, and how it's affecting the team. We'll go back to Smokey Jones here at Gingerbread. What is your starting 11 this week? Uh, this weekend, sorry, we're facing uh, Fulham. Uh, with the injury to Perez, who would you start up front with Chicharito? Uh, or do you change the formation? I would go with this lineup, although they'll say it's a flat uh, although they'll say it's a flat four uh, four four two. So his lineup is okay, like I guess we'll call it a, a four three one two. Uh, but he's calling it a four two two. But uh, he's got uh, a back four of Cresswell, Diop, Balbuena, Zabaleta. A midfield uh, three of Noble, Snodgrass, Rice. Above them, you have Anderson in sort of that cam role. And then Antonio and Chicharito up top. Uh, for me, I'm going with the same back four. I think if Cresswell is ready and fit, you play him. Uh, I'm going to go a 4-2-2-2 formation again. So Rice and Noble in the middle. Anderson, Snodgrass uh, up top a little bit wider. And then I'm going to go Chicharito and uh, Andy Carroll to start the match. And then I'm going to see uh, if, if Perez is fit. I have no problem with him coming on. Again, he'll probably be a 45-minute sub, which is all you're looking to get out of Carroll as well. Um, so put Perez on for him. If he's not fit, I'm happy to throw Antonio in for the last 45 to sort of run them down a bit. Um, but Chicharito, give him the full uh, the full 90 if he's got it. But stick with the same formation. Stick with the same personnel for the most part. And uh, basically try and simplify the game with having Carroll on. Yeah, I don't want to bore the listeners, but I think I would go... <laughs> With the same starting 11. Um, a little change I might have, because you're right, Carol, if Carol starts, he's probably going to give you 45 minutes, and, and maybe we're wrong, maybe we get some more. But depending at that point in time, what the score is, um, how the how the form of the game, and how everything in the game's going, um, if we do give, and I know I'm going to butcher up his first name, is it Zande Silva? Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah, I would, I would almost like to see him possibly get a chance to come in. Um, that's another thing with Arnautovic and maybe Perez being banged up is him getting another shot. Uh, so maybe just depending on where we're at, you know, if we're already up uh, 2-0 or 3-1, something like that, things are going good. Maybe getting him in and just and getting his just getting his feet wet um, in the Premier League would be kind of cool. To me, it would be kind of cool to see. It'd be more of that adventure that you were talking about. Totally agree there. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, Zonda, if, if uh, Perez can't go, I'd be happy. Or if Perez is 50-50, Give him the week off. Give Zonda Silva the time up here. It's not replacing him in the squad. It's just sort of giving him a spot on the bench. And if he plays, he plays. Um, but, yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, the next we're going to go to a group very close to you, at NoCo underscore Irons, the NoCo Irons. Uh, they ask us, uh, after Noble retires, presumably that he does at the, at the age of 34 with his new extension, what role would you like to see him uh, being brought into the club as? I would like him sort of to be that Michael Carrick role that you see sitting beside Mourinho right now, almost mm-hmm. like a player coach, young enough to look like he can still do it, knows the team, knows what uh, knows what it takes to be a player for that team, and sort of being a coach's advisor. Uh, well, also, like, no one demands more of West Ham players than Mark Noble does because he knows what it means to wear that jersey. So I would like to see him doing that and then have some stand named after him there just to, to sort of cement that <laughs> legacy. Well, he's got to have something named after him. Oh, he uh, has to. He has to. Yeah. I, you know, this is why you're running the podcast because I didn't even think about that. But uh, I was thinking more maybe along the lines of, uh, you know, coaching somewhere in the uh, youth, maybe under 23s, uh, something like that. Um, academy. I know there's a lot of good coaches down there right now, too, managers down there. So, but I do like that idea actually a lot. Um, having them sit there, having them still be a part of that team. Because obviously the players like him, they respond to him. So 
it's not going to hurt to um you know keep him there and i'm def i don't think anything's going to change over the next three years is how how he is and how players respond to him the only change i might see is he's not going to probably start as much maybe over the next couple of years but yeah i think getting him in there kind of as a i don't even know what you called it but yeah kind of sitting right along the lines of him and, and being there um knowing the players and knowing you know what motivates them probably more than maybe even pellegrini does is uh would be key and we're going to finish with uh, that guy, Blake, at heavy underscore sunshine. He asked us a question here that's fun. And I know we're, we're long on this segment, but that doesn't matter. We're enjoying it. So uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll jump into this one. Um, he asks us, are there, realistic, uh, are there realistically any players you would like to see play for West Ham? Mine would be Sun from Tottenham. What a player. And he says in brackets, although kind of not realistic either, I guess. So um, I like this idea of plucking players and putting them on your team. Um, I have three players that I would want on West Ham. I'll do an unrealistic one along the lines of Tottenham's son. Uh, and they're all, yeah, they're all Premier League players. And that would be Marcus Alonso. Uh, I love what he does going forward and coming back as a left back. He's someone who can have an impact from that position. Would love to see him come in for the team. Uh, and then my two that are not unrealistic, I think actually they could be very realistic come the end of the season or even in January, would be Pierre-Emile Hoiberg uh, from Southampton. Mm-hmm. I think he playing along Declan Rice could be awesome, and he's got a cannon of a shot on him. And the other one, I don't know why, is a Southampton guy as well, uh, and that is Manolo Gabbiadini um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a squad striker. Him coming on, I think it was his first Premier League game we played them, uh, Darren Randolph oh, yeah. was in that, and he came on and boomed a shot into the top corner on a, on a terrible angle um, after a really good run. I, I think that guy knows how to score goals. Southampton is just a horrible, horrible team. Um, that's me knocking on wood as we play them in a few weeks. Um, they are, yeah, they're just not playing to his abilities. He's starting to get more time there, but he's been benched a lot. But I think I would take both of those players straight up right now for West Ham. How about you? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Gabadini. Or, uh, yeah, I remember that game specifically because they, they kept bringing it up constantly about how, you know, Southampton's his new striker and that he just comes in and makes us look silly pretty much the whole game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a good pick on that. My uh, four, I have four, two Premier Ooh. League and two not in the Premier League. Uh, my first one, you already mentioned Victor Moses. Um, I would like to, he's realistic. I would like to bring him in, whether it's on loan or whether we actually bring him in and uh, on the transfer. Uh, he can help out on that right side. And who knows, um, really still, who knows what's going to happen on that right side, you know, with injury and everything like that. It's really tough with Fredericks. I'd love to see him come on. He's a really great player. I think he has potential to be even better um, than what we've seen so far. But, you know, most of would be good with that. I really like the idea of, uh, was it Nathaniel Klein from uh, Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. I really like that idea because I he's kind of lost his starting role, if I'm not mistaken, um, behind uh, Alexander-Arnold. He's kind of, I think he's lost that starting role. So I would, I would honestly love to see him come in and hopefully – more than just alone, but if it was just alone, helping on that left side for at least the second half of the season. Uh, my two that are not in the Premier League, and I don't know why I pick names of players that I could probably pronounce wrong, but uh, he plays in uh, he plays in Spain. Uh, Jose Gaia, am I saying that right? Oh, I, you know you, what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, he's on Valencia. Um, so. Boy, am I saying that right? Let me Google this real quick. Let, 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 let's uh. see. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Gaia. Yeah, yeah, Gaia, yeah, Gaia, Gaia, yeah. Um, he's, a, he's younger. I think he's... Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's 23. Um, but I know he does have some injuries as well that kind of have plagued him. But it would be good to see a younger player like that come in. He's got a lot of pace. Um, he can play up there. He can get up and uh, cross the ball in as well. And then I think maybe it's just my American roots, but I would like to see a solid American get on West Ham and um, Christian Pulisic or Pulisic, oh. however you want to pronounce it, oh, from Borussia Dortmund. Um, love him. Absolutely. Maybe that's unrealistic, uh, but absolutely love him. I know he's had a couple injuries here and there, and he would probably have to bulk up a little bit. I know I heard announcers talking about it. I can't remember what game. It might have been even during our game for some reason, but um, he would have to probably bulk up a little bit just because Premier League is a little more um, physical than the uh, Bundesliga, but 
yeah, maybe unrealistic as well, especially with how much he would he's going to cost his transfer. I don't really think it's as I don't think he's going to stay there. I think he's definitely going to transfer. The the when's not a question, but where. But yeah, I would love to get him uh, on the hammers. Yeah, I think um, I think they they value the the, the valuation of uh, Jaden Sancho or Joe Sancho. Uh, mm-hmm. Dortmund was seventy million that they recently mm-hmm. came out with. So. I know he's younger in English, so that those two things hold a lot of value. Um, yeah. But Pulisic, man, what a player he is! I, I would love that, but that would be almost uh, another Felipe Anderson type spending spree for him. Yeah. I don't know if that if they can pull it off, but again, if they could, oof, I'd love yeah. it. Yeah, well, look out. Um, okay, so we are gonna take a quick break again, our final break. When we get back, we're gonna look ahead to Fulham and give our preview on that. All right, so Fulham is the next team uh, in the, the war path here. West Ham are lining up against Fulham, Watford, Southampton, and Burnley to end out the new year, uh, sort of to end out this year to the new year, which uh, has us all licking our chops. Fulham are a team that are currently on uh, a continuous downspout. They have sacked their manager who got them to the Premier League after being a pretty incredible last, last season, and they brought in uh, former Leicester City league-winning manager Claudio Ranieri, uh, they promptly beat Southampton 3-2, which was a great showing for them, and then lost 2-0 to Chelsea, Drew Leicester 1-1, and then lost to Man, uh, Man United sorry, with a red card to Andre Frank Zambo Anguisa in the 68th minute. Um, do you see Fulham doing anything here that can sort of slow down West Ham's advance? You know, I think uh, the old school West Ham will look at it like, oh, here's a club that... Uh, is kind of on a downward slide, and they're going to play West Ham. So, of course, they'll pick up their game. And the uh, the old fan of me kind of thinks that way too. But, man, we're on a tear right now. And I think if we keep the same kind of formation and the same kind of pressure, maybe it might be a dull first half. Um, we seem to kind of take a little bit to get our feet under us. Um, not always, but it seems more or less that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see maybe a dull first half and then kind of come on and score some goals. Once we get back out after the half, um, yeah, I just they're on a downward slide now. I mean, their manager he scares me. Ranieri scares me. You know, he he's a really good manager. You know, he had a. I mean, look what he did at Leicester. I mean, that'll be something we talk about for for years and years. I think um, winning the Premier League the way that they did. But you know, I, I yeah, I just think they're kind of on a downward slide. I was really hopeful for Fulham too. They had a lot of really good uh, off-season signings. I thought and. Um, yeah, it's just kind of really hasn't panned out that way. So I, I do think we'll continue it. I'm not too worried about it. Um, I'm going to knock on some wood too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I I just – I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be a game West Ham drops. Uh, I just think if you look at Solomon Rodon from Newcastle and the effectiveness he had against West Ham, I think – Mitrovic is a younger version of him, but similar type of player. Not great with his feet. Mostly does his attacking with his head. I don't think Mitrovic's uh, build-up play uh, and ability to hold up play by himself is anywhere as close to as good as uh, as Solomon. So I, I I think West Ham have that covered. As far as their other players go, like Schurler, I would love him on West Ham. Sessegnon would mm-hmm. love him on West Ham. Kearney, I was hot and cold on him last season if he was coming. Uh, Jean-Michael Sarri, he chose Fulham over West Ham. I would have liked him on West Ham. Uh, Alfie Mawson, he chose to go to Fulham. I would have loved him on West Ham. Joe Bryan, their left back, he's a young, uh, a young Englishman. I think he should should be a target for West Ham to look at a left back this season. Um, I think that you, you're going to sort of see a lot of good players, but I think the difference is where West Ham brought in a bunch of new players and then eventually they gelled over time. This is a bunch of players who are not gelling. Um, there's just not a lot of teamwork going on here. They produce the odd incredible goal, but other than that, they're they're pretty lowly right now. They they're coming off of a four-one loss, like I had said before, with three first-half goals. Um, it's just not looking good for them as far as the table goes. Two wins, three draws, eleven losses. They're minus twenty-four on goal differential. They're just shipping goals like crazy, and and they don't have anything really any sort of character to them as a team. I think there's too many new faces, not enough veteran older faces to sort of give the team an identity to grab someone by the collar and straighten them up. Like if West Ham were in a relegation battle, it would be Mark Noble in the papers every day saying this, this is not good enough from our team. We're, we're, you know, we can do better than this. 
you don't really hear anything from Fulham. Um, I think that they're destined to go down at the end of the season. They're they're tied with Southampton right now and one point behind Huddersfield. Um, yeah, I don't think they offer much for West Ham to be too worried about. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, you and I, we both know, and West Ham fans as a whole know, whenever you sack your your coach in the middle of the year, it sometimes can take a little bit to uh, get going again. Um, and the fact that you know their manager didn't even make it to Christmas is uh, is rough. And, and they are a lot like West Ham in a way of uh, bringing in a lot of new faces, like we both mentioned. And um, I think you're absolutely right. They just haven't gelled. They haven't clicked. And, and if, if they do, I mean, you know, look out. They could be a decent team. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see them stay up. I've always kind of not really liked Fulham. But, I mean, they've always been a team I didn't really care too much about. I didn't hate. I'm not maybe like Southampton or somebody like that. But, um, yeah, so I don't think, you know, once we like, you know, we're just kind of beating a dead horse. But I don't think that will be too much of a struggle. If you had to... <clears throat> take two players from, from Fulham squad and put them in West Ham's, who would you take? Mm. Um, I think I would take uh, maybe Sari. Uh, I think I would take him because we obviously wanted him. Uh, I think he's a good young player. And then also, you mentioned uh, Bryant, um, the left back. I uh, know he came from, uh, I don't want to butcher stuff, I think Bristol City maybe is where he was before. I uh, can't really mention, but you know he's he's a good young uh, English player, and you know West Ham. It's always nice to have that on the squad. I think having one of those two would be nice. I know having Alfie Mousen, you know, we wanted him. I wanted him really bad. He would be good too. And I guess I keep naming people, but if it was any of the two, maybe Sari, and then uh, and then Joe Bryan as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on uh, Sari. I think he he's a really good passer of the ball, and he can sort of play that um, that role beside Declan Rice really well. I think mm-hmm. he would be a, he would have been a great addition for West Ham in this offseason. And they, they ended up not paying too crazy of an amount for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows, if they get relegated, I'm, I'm positive he'll be gone from that team. So West Ham could come back in for a, a discount swoop at the end of the year. Um, but Ryan Sessegnon, the left winger, left back, left wing back, whatever, I think he's 19, 18. Um, mm-hmm. That kid's going to be something special for years to come. I just think he's caught in this league that uh, is maybe a little bit – too good for him right now he tore up the championship there's nothing in between so i think he i think he'd be a great candidate to like go to germany for a few years or a year and just go have a run out see what you can do and and see if you can um make it in a in a in a european league help a team there and come back a little bit stronger and and thicker and see what you can do to play up i just yeah, there's a lot of bits and pieces on the team I like. And like you said, there's potential for them to, to basically get it together and, and, you know, show up. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. As of right now, they're not doing that, so I'm not scared of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudio Ranieri, you did say, scares you a bit. Uh, I agree. It always seems West Ham plays a team just after they have sacked their manager and they get that first or second, like, character win. You know, they, they're starting to really buy into what the new manager is saying, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I, I'm so tired of being that team. Um, that mm. being said, West Ham were also a team that never would win three in a row or two in a row or score nine goals in three matches so or play two strikers. So this is not the West Ham we're all used to. I think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to like about where West Ham's going here. Uh, I don't think Fulham has the, the sort of stamina to keep up with them. And I think I know this. I think they're going to, but I know that they need to. West Ham needs to, to start quick in this one. Get mm-hmm. a goal early, and you're going to basically topple the, the the house of cards on this Fulham team. Look at what uh, Burnley did to West Ham last year when the protests were happening. Mm-hmm. As soon as they scored, everything fell apart. The team was distracted. The off-pitch stuff became too much. You know, relegation battles. There's so much going through these players' heads. I think if you can if you can negatively affect them by just getting ahead on the scoreline, jump on it and do that. Um, what about your score predictions? Do you think uh, it's another three-goal banger for West Ham? I think it could be. I think it. Uh, I'm going to go three-nil. I haven't made my official predictions yet for uh, the Green Street Hammers, but I do think it'll be three-nil. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I like three-nil. That's a good one. I almost want to say that as well. I'm going to say three-one. Okay. I'm going to say three-one. I think we're going to get uh, some set piece garbage goal and and basically get Fabianski all pissed off again but uh, I, I I like West Ham's ability to 
get in front, stay in front, or apparently after this Palace game, play from behind. Show that you don't care about the scoreline. You're going to go out, play your game, and uh, and score as you may. I think for this one, we're going to see um, Andy Carroll get his first of the season. We're going to see Chicharito get his uh, get another goal, and then we're going to see Felipe Anderson with another uh, another pretty awesome goal. That's my prediction. Mm, it'd be nice to get get Andy Carroll on the scoreline. I, I think it. It, if uh, Chicharito gets another one, wouldn't that put him up to five? That would put him tied with Arnautovic and one yeah, behind five. Felipe Anderson. Yeah, that's good to see more than one player up oh. there. When like it's it's so good. It's refreshing as a West Ham fan. So, finally see that. So awesome. Yeah, I just I love I love the variety. Who do you got for goal scorers? Goal scorers. I'm gonna go with Chicharito, um, probably Anderson, and then I'm gonna sneak in a little surprise and say that the skipper gets in and gets one. That, okay. Uh, Noble like will come it. through. Maybe he's a had a couple of, even. Yeah, he's had a couple opportunities in the last couple games, and they've kind of flung wide or high. Um, but yeah, he's due. I think he's due. You know, he's due a couple times a year. So I would like to see that. Perfect. All right. So uh, with that, with that being said, uh, any last final thoughts or comments about anything West Ham related? There, Jeremiah. Uh, nothing match related. I do want to uh, throw out my my PlayStation uh, user tag game. I don't know what my my gamer tag, if you will, um, play a lot of FIFA. So anybody wants to play FIFA, look me up on PlayStation Network. It's the same name as my Twitter handle. So Jay Carson, so J C A R S O N underscore one seven five five. Not very good, but we'll have fun doing it. And uh, I, I hate to do this, but uh, who was your last match against, and how did it go? Uh, yeah, so I played some guy named Tony, and we're not going to get into it. Uh, here he has a podcast, um, but not well, popular. not well, not well. Yeah, <laughs> the American so, West Ham podcast uh, showing how they uh, showing they can play some FIFA. If anyone's got Xbox, add me up too. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, I I looked forward to hearing back about how this is going to go for you. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, you guys want to come play? I've been trying uh, trying to get better um, in my off time, with very little off time I have. It seems like anymore, but yeah. So. Uh, did you say you play on Xbox? Do you want to hand out your uh, gamer tag there? Yeah, gamer tag is Spice Avenue. S P I C E A V E N U uh, E. Come play me. Come play me in Ultimate Team. I I, I packed uh, Mbappe early, and uh, he basically set me up to have mm. the team I wanted. So I sold him out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, come come <laughs> come find me on Xbox too. Um, I will say a PSA. Um, jobs are lining up for all of us here and new work and everything. So we, uh, are going to be sort of changing our schedule a little bit. We may be going forward with a weekend recording. Um, we know that lines up with some other West Ham podcasts, but, uh, there's plenty of room in the pool here for us all to, to get along. So we, uh, we may be moving to something on the weekend. Stay with us. We'll uh, keep everyone up to date on Twitter. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.